You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. I feel really compelled by the Spirit just to keep praying. Okay. So everybody just please just bow your heads and just pray to yourselves and I'll pray. Father, you are so good. You are so good to each of us. And while we are all unworthy, Father, you sent your Son to die for us at the right time for the ungodly. Father, we as a people here at 12th Street, we are a broken people. We are people in much need of your grace and your mercy. God, I I pray that you will help us to not just be a people in need of your grace and mercy, but help us to be a people that show grace and mercy. Don't let us be distracted. Don't let us be drawn away by this world, by all the noise. Father, draw us into your presence. Help us to sit at your feet. Help us to hear you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, y'all. I am, you know, I don't want to apologize. I just felt really just overwhelmed by the Spirit in that moment. Um, so before you ask, yes, if you saw me walking up here, I am limping. Um, I broke my foot, and so um, a few of you, you probably wondered, been like, man, where's Tyler been the past few weeks? Because I haven't been, like, I've been here, but I've been, like, in my little hobbit hole back in the back, just kind of chilling, um, because it's been hard to get around. Um, I would like to tell you that it was, like, a disc golf injury, that I broke my ankle, that there was, like, a copperhead at the end of the tee pad, and I tried to jump and dodge it, and I broke my ankle, or I was playing ultimate frisbee. Uh, no, I went to get a drink out of my refrigerator. Um, that, and I'm not even kidding. I fell asleep. I'm, I, I should have got my wife to send me the picture so I could show you guys. I fell asleep in, my, in our love seat, which is, you know, love seat, two seats, um, in a really, like, crinkled up position, like, really crinkled up, and my right foot fell asleep. And I thought it was good, so I got up to go work out, go get me a drink out of the refrigerator before I went to work out. And as I was walking, my ankle rolled, and I broke my fifth metatarsal. And so um, six weeks in a boot, you know. Living the boot life, hashtag boot life. Um, and y'all, I hate it. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I feel like a 14-year-old boy, um, Luke Parker, by the grace of God, has came and picked me up every day, like, for the past few weeks. And so, I mean, like, I, I'm like, hey, Luke, can you give me a ride? Like, I feel like I'm trying to get a ride to the mall when I was, like, 14. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> so, um, 
But yeah, so yeah, I just wanted just to apologize for not being very visible. I've been here, just kind of, once again, hiding out. So silence and solitude. You're going to ask the guy to preach who literally never shuts his mouth. Who hates being silent. Who hates being alone. I have two morbid fears in this life. The dark, okay, and being alone. And so am I ever in a dark room alone? It's the worst. Okay? But that's just not who I am as a person. The Lord did not create me this way. Last night, me and my wife, we had a few moments where we we were working on a project for my mom's birthday all weekend. And last night, we were on our way home from uh, Walmart for like the fifth time that day. You know how it goes sometimes. You go to Walmart and you go back. You go to Walmart and you go back. You go to Walmart and go back. And then you eventually say, I should just like pitch a tent in here and live here, you know, because I'm here so much. Um, and we're on our way back. And I was on the way back. And I, we're, I was like sitting there talking to her. I was like, man, Ryan, like the Lord has just been all over me this week. Like the Spirit's been all over me about how I need to like be more silent in His presence and how I need to just like be alone by myself and I need to like draw into His presence. And she looks at me and I see it and like kind of glance at me and she's laughing. And I said, what are you laughing at? Like nothing was funny about the sentence. She goes, Tyler, I haven't said anything in five minutes. And I was like, okay. Once again, very convicted, you know. <laughs> I hear you, all right. So the idea of silence and solitude, this is what it is. Silence is the voluntary and the temporary abstention from speaking so that spiritual growth can occur. The purpose is to, as Paul writes in Colossians 3, to set your mind on things that are above in silence. No distractions, no cell phones, no notifications, no 24-7 news cycle, nothing. Silence. This can be done as silent prayer, Bible meditation, or simply just sitting there to silence. Shutting off your thoughts in your voice so that you can hear God speak. That's what silence is. In solitude, we put these two together because as we see in Scripture, there most time are together, but they can be separate practices. Solitude is a voluntary withdrawing to privacy for spiritual practices. You get alone, you're getting away from people and technology so that you can be alone with God. Silence and solitude. David Mathis says this, We are humans, not machines. We were made for rhythms of silence and noise, community and solitude. Too much silence and solitude is a bad thing, just as too much noise and community is a bad thing. Brother, sister, can I go ahead and say something? We err on the side of noise and community. Literally, the world is constantly screaming at us. Think about it. I mean, I mean, just think about it. It's just constantly screaming at us. So my main point today, I have one point I want you to walk away with. Get alone with God and listen to his voice. Get alone with God and listen to his voice. Now, where do we see Jesus doing this? All over the Gospels. All over the Gospels. I don't have like a specific passage today that I'm going to be diving into. I have like a ton of passages. So if you're one of those people... Like, get ready to flip with me. Uh, those Bible drill days are about to, like, go in handy, all right? But I'm going to have them on the screen so you can keep up with me, okay? Typically, I don't preach like this, but this topic is one that we can see all throughout the Gospels, and I want you to see this because this is something that for two years, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute, that the Lord has been all over me about. All right, so the first place that I want you to point to, I want to point to is Matthew 4, 1. All right, Matthew 4, 1, this is right after Jesus' baptism where we hear the Father speak audibly over the Son, the Spirit descending upon the Son like a dove, and you hear, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. 
And then what happens? Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Notice who is leading Jesus into the wilderness. Who is it? The Spirit. The Spirit is leading Jesus into the season to be tempted. And listen to this. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. I go a hard time going a few hours let him build. 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. If that was me, I'd probably say hangry. But just, I used to read this passage, and I talked about this last week on the ReChurch podcast. We, we talk about this passage, and we read it and go, man, just leave it to the devil to come at Jesus when he's at his weakest. Right, we've probably read it that way, right? We're like, the enemy's attacking Jesus when he's at his weakest. But what if he's actually attacking Jesus at his strongest? What if spiritually, Jesus is at his strongest moment right here? Because we starve the flesh to feed the spirit. And then we infer into this that he was in the wilderness by himself. Solitude. And this is something about prayer that I think a lot of us, we miss out on. And we literally do no other conversation like this. Okay? Like, imagine talking to your spouse or your friends like this. All right? Let's just say that I went to Luke and I was like, hey, Luke, how's it going today, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. How have been? I just, I, just, I just hope that you're having a great day. I hope that your grades are going good. I hope that everything's going great. Okay, see you later. Bye. Why do we pray to the Father like that? Right? Like when we pray, that is what we do. We, we pray and then we're like, amen, and we're gone. You can't speak to someone without listening, and in order to listen, it requires silence. So Jesus, here in the wilderness, in silence and solitude, in silence and solitude, with the Father, about to be tempted by the devil, Matthew 14, 22 through 23. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, huge crowds of people. What we're going to see inside the Gospels, especially when you read them, is that when the crowds were at their biggest, immediately after, at some point after, Jesus withdraws. He goes away. I use the term, I, I tell this to my wife sometimes, I'm peopled out. Even an extrovert like me, I get peopled out. I say that, I'm like, I'm peopled out and I need to just withdraw. And so he says, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. He's getting ready to walk on water right here. So one of the moments that we talk about the most about Jesus, he was alone before it. He was alone with the Father. Before he walked on water, he was alone with God. Me, when I say, babe, I'm peopled out, that means I need Netflix. I need my Xbox. Yes, I still play video games. I need disc golf. I need something to take my mind away from this. I need to escape. But what if those moments Jesus is actually saying, get alone, get alone, and I'm not listening? What if in those moments he's screaming at me and the noise around me is deafening his voice? Mark one thirty five. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, I love that Mark put that in there, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Okay, here's something that Jesus and I don't have in common. 
I'm not a morning person and he is. I am not a morning person. Just not who I am. But Jesus made time to go off by himself while it was still dark in the morning. Why? If you read the beginning of Mark, Mark is like that gospel that has the word immediately in it a lot. Like it's constantly saying like, and immediately Jesus went to this and immediately went to this. My youth pastor growing up used to say that it's the action gospel. There's a lot of action verbs and it's the shortest gospel and it's just like, bam, bam, bam. Jesus is just doing all these things. He's just going from here to there, here to there. In Mark 1, at the end of, after healing Peter's mother-in-law and after calling disciples, he withdraws by himself to a desolate place and prays. Crowds, busyness, by himself with the Father. Now, what's so funny about this is that while he goes there to pray, his disciples wake up, they realize they can't find Jesus, and they go and seek him out, and they go, essentially, hey, everyone's looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. And the reason why is because he's been healing people. All these things have been going on. And this is what he says to them. It's time to move on. All right? John Mark Comer, who's one of my favorite authors, okay, he put, he said about this passage, that's another way of Jesus saying no. It's time to move on. Why? Because he was so grounded in the Father, so grounded in his relationship and in himself, in the calling upon his life, that his quiet place his quiet place. That's another word for the Greek word, desolate place. Quiet place. This is Greek word, aramos. can be translated as wilderness, desert, desolate place, lonely place, or quiet place. I'm going to use quiet place this morning. So if you see desolate place, I'm going to use quiet place. I love that phrasing. The quiet place with his father was his highest priority, and that centered Jesus to continue on in his earthly ministry. In Luke alone, Jesus goes off alone by himself to the quiet place nine times. Luke 4.42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, or quiet place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept them from leaving them. So he goes off by himself, and people like they're like, okay, we've got to find Jesus. And they have a search party, and they go and find him. They go and find Jesus. How many times has that happened to us in our quiet times? You pray kids crying. You withdraw by yourself, phone rings. You're trying to seek the Father in silence and solitude, Facebook notification goes off. Jonathan Edwards' wife, true story, she used to pull her apron over her head with her seven kids in the kitchen so she could have a moment alone with the Father. (laughs) That cracks me up. I love that imagery. Jesus withdraws, and the people still come. And even after this, he goes, I have to go. I have to keep going. And we see this pattern over and over. Big crowds, Jesus by himself. Big crowd, Jesus by himself. And then one of the most, like, just painstaking moments of Jesus' ministry, actually the most painstaking moment outside of the cross, Matthew 26, where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does he do? I have to pray. And he withdraws from the disciples, prays, goes back, they're asleep, and he goes, why are you asleep? You should be praying. I read this passage the other night, on Friday night, when I was prepping for my sermon. And I'm not even kidding. Ten minutes later, I was out. And I woke up with a conviction that the Father was saying to me, Tyler, you don't need to be asleep, you need to be praying. And my flesh was weak and I gave in. So all throughout the Gospels, we see this. Jesus got alone with God to hear his voice. And we need to get alone with God so that we can hear his voice. But the question is, why don't we? All right? This is why you don't practice silence and solitude. Ruth Haley Barton has a wonderful book on this 
Okay, she says this, most of us are more tired than we know at the soul level. We are teetering on the brink of a dangerous exhaustion and we cannot do anything else until we have gotten some rest. We can't really engage any spiritual discipline until solitude becomes a place of rest for us rather than another place for human striving and hard work. So what we do, is, especially with us, is the way we're wired is we want to work for our salvation. We want to work. We want to earn. We want to do these things. So silence and solitude, instead of being a place of rest, becomes a place of striving. That's not solitude. That's not silence. You're working. And what happens is, as we get to this point where we're on this brink of this exhaustion, how many of y'all would say, like, I mean, I, I say this term a lot to my wife, babe, I am physically and emotionally and spiritually tired. Right? Yes. Yes. And something that really convicts me in the Gospels, do you know how many times Jesus was asleep when something happened? I think about that. Like, I just, I, I got super convicted about that. I was like, man... Thank God for naps. Jesus napped. I need to nap, you know? But in, in real talk, think about this. Just, just, just think. Until solitude becomes a place of rest, how can you pray properly? Until solitude becomes a place of rest, how can you read Scripture properly? Instead of, instead of trying to just strive and meet your Bible reading plan on the YouVersion app, why were we trying to make this thing of an action of trying to gain and like trying to gain instead of it just being a thing of resting in the Father in His presence. I would make this argument, brothers and sisters, and, I, and I'm serious. These two disciplines are the most important. And the reason I say this is because every other discipline is, can be found rooted in these. It's hard to pray in distraction, am I correct? It's hard to seek out the Father and do these things without silence, without listening. Because nobody likes silence. We even have a term for this, right? Awkward silence. Y'all ever been inside a restaurant and you're talking to someone and then all of a sudden the music cuts off and the entire restaurant goes quiet and you're still talking? Happens to me all the time. I know you can't believe that. Dead serious, there's a local pastor in town. I was eating in a restaurant and he came up to me and he said, Tyler, I heard you all the way over there. My voice booms, I'm sorry. I don't even really need this mic if I'm being honest. Nobody likes silence. I hate silence. Today's world, though, there is no other time in the history of the world that has been louder. Now, the thing about this room is, is that there's a vast variety of ages, all right? Some of you aren't on Facebook. I need to just go ahead and own that, but most of us are. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I was taking my wife's grandmother groceries, and every time I walked in, no matter what time, guess what was on? Fox News. Fox News was always on. I don't think it ever went off. And have you ever, I don't know if anybody have ever done this. I guess I was just bored one time as a kid. Have you ever tried to stay up and watch the 24-hour news cycle? They get so repetitive around 2 or 3 a.m. They're just talking to hear themselves talk. But what happens is, is that becomes a place where it's eliminated the silence. Like, literally, if you're going to be silent now, you have to be so intentional because literally everything is screaming at you. Everything. The other day, I got a Facebook notification that my mom, that my mom commented on my aunt's post. I had not even commented on that post. But Facebook is screaming, look at me! 
Last night I'm watching the UFC fight. I'm a big MMA fan, okay? I love MMA, okay? Forgive me if that offends you. My boy Conor McGregor lost last night. I was very sad. But anyway, as I am watching this and I'm talking to my brother about this fight, my phone goes off and it says, UFC is going on. Hop on Twitter and hop in the conversation. Literally screaming at me, wanting my attention. No silence, all noise. What about solitude? All right, to the introverts in this room, you're like, that is my jam. All right, like, I got that. My wife, once again, me and me in a middle school boy, she's been having to pick me up from here every day, okay? And I've really enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie to you. I love it. I love getting in the car with my wife. Back. She's like, how was your day, babe? You know, I'm like, my day was great at school, you know? <laughs> so, but she said one of the things, she told me this last night, we were talking about silence and solitude. She said, one of the things I miss is getting home before you and Brooks get home. And sitting in my car and turning the radio off for 15 minutes and just praying and just sitting there. I miss that. And I was like, that sounds horrible to me. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Like, y'all, I'm the type of guy that, like, I'm an extrovert. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a huge extrovert. I constantly have a podcast play, and I constantly have music playing. I constantly have, if it's bothering my wife, I have AirPods in. I'm, I, I'm just that guy. I gotta have noise. I fell asleep last night listening to a podcast. I gotta have noise. This is not for me. Let's just be honest though. We are addicted to the noise. We're addicted to it, especially in today's society. We're addicted to community. We're addicted to all these things. That's why Social media is so crazy because we've never seen anything like this where we're constantly knowing what everybody else is doing. I was talking to one of our members who came to drive-in church just right before the service, and he said, people come up to me and say, hey, did you hear so-and-so died? And he goes, no, I didn't hear that. And when did that happen? They said, oh, it was on Facebook. Like, what happened to the day where you just didn't know things happened? That was like a pre-2007 world. 2007 was the year the iPhone came out. It's going to be looked at 300 years from now as the changing of the times. It changed everything. A survey from Microsoft interviewing young adults my age and below said 77% answered yes to scrolling through my phone when nothing is occupying my attention. Y'all remember a thing called boredom? Y'all remember that? I barely do. I barely have any memory of it. What's the first thing that we grab in the morning now? Our phones. Our phones. We roll over, we check our phone. Our phone has literally replaced the alarm clock. And you wake up and you have a, just, a, a, just a slew of just Facebook notifications and news notifications and all these things, and it's just constantly bombarding you. Noise, 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 noise. And here's the thing. We love it. We do not want to be in silence and solitude because in the silence and in the solitude, you have to face your biggest enemy, yourself. You have to face who you really are. You have to go into this part of you that's anxious, that's battling depression, that's battling sadness, that's battling all these sins that are drawing you away from the Father. And so what you do is you get on Amazon and you buy something. You get on Facebook and you scroll and get in people's business that honestly we have no people, no, 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 no way of getting into. And people just put it on there like it's their little personal diary. And then we get on our phones and we just sit there and scroll and sometimes we get so bored we just start looking through our pictures. Or at least I do. We run from ourselves. 
Andrew Sullivan, okay, he's a guy from New York, very secular-minded guy, okay, but I want you to look this article up. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The name of the article is, I used to be a human being. I used to be a human being. The article opens with him checking into a digital detox meditation center. Those things exist. A digital detox meditation center. Listen to what he says. This is the end of the article. There are books to be read, landscapes to be walked, friends to be with, life to be fully lived. This new epidemic of distraction is our civilization's specific weakness. Its threat is not so much to our minds, even as they shapeshift under the pressure. The threat is to our souls. At this rate, if the noise does not relent, we might even forget that we have any. Wow. Ronald Rawheiser, he's a Catholic philosopher, he says this, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Distraction, distraction, distraction. C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters, one of my favorite books by him. Has, 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 has nobody read the Screwtape Letters? You can like, okay, listen, please read it. If you have not read it, read it. It's this really interesting book. Like, C.S. Lewis dives into like the mind of demons and there's an older demon writing to a younger demon about how to tempt someone and draw them into sin and all this, guess what the older demon calls the devil's realm? A kingdom of noise. A kingdom of noise. At the end of it, that letter, he says, our goal is to make everything the end a noise. A kingdom of noise. Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was martyred, for his faith, says this, the devil has made it his business to monopolize on three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. He will not allow quietness. Now, crowds aren't as big of a thing right now, COVID, you know, but hurry. Like, think about how many times, like, you can't have a quiet time because you're in a rush. Think about how many times that you try to draw into the presence of the Father, but noise, And we just go straight into it. John Piper says this, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. And you can even fill that in with Fox News. You can even fill that in with CNN. You can even fill that in with anything that is making noise. And when I say noise, I'm talking literally just screaming for your attention. Fill it in. Prayerlessness is not due from a lack of time. If you have an iPhone in this room, you got your screen time notification this morning. We know that's not from lack of time. Brothers and sisters, you and I need silence and solitude. Once again, as I argued, it is the most important. I think it is. I truly do. Jesus sought silence and solitude. When I read the Gospels for the last two years, I'm going to talk about this in just a second. I didn't notice how many times Jesus just went to be alone. I didn't notice it until I read the scriptures that in mind. If we are going to follow Jesus, practice the way of Jesus, and be a people of the way, we need silence. I'm going to rephrase that. You and I need silence. You and I need solitude. Brothers and sisters, make time to get along with God and listen to his voice. Everything is screaming at you. Silence it. Turn off your phone 
everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. I have to tell myself that all the time. I'm not going to like just start shaking violently because I don't have my phone. Everything's going to be okay. The world's not going to fall apart. We need to get alone with God and listen to his voice. So now you may be asking, so what? What do I need to do? Andrew Sullivan says this. Once again, secular, non-believer. This is what he says about churches. I found this really interesting in this article. I used to be a human being. If churches came to understand the greatest threat to our faith today is not hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure, but distraction, perhaps they might even begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. Like the fact that like digital detox centers like blows my mind. Like those, that, 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 that you're sitting there going, but like y'all like, I mean how, I'm not going to lie to you, it sounds kind of cool to me. Like I'm like, I want to go check into one of those for like a weekend, see how it goes. Just unplug from everything. The guy I was talking to before the service, he said, Tyler, I still live in the old world. I still live in the old world. Like, I check my email once a day. I do these things. I'm like, man, like, I can't tell you the last time I check my email once a day. It's constantly up. My 1,000 unread notifications will not tell that to you, but I do check them, okay? I promise. Especially junk mail. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark 6, 31. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, just listen to this, this is so good. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place, to a quiet place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a quiet place by themselves. Listen to Jesus' words. I'm just going to just read these over you one more time. Come away. By yourselves to a quiet place. Rest a while. This is Jesus' invitation to us. Come away with me. By yourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. So what can we do in this world of noise to find silence and solitude? First off, find your quiet place. And maybe your apron over your head and tell your kids, hey, when the apron's over the head, don't bother mama. Don't bother dad when the coat's over the head. Like, I live in a starter home, okay, like 1,100 square feet, okay? And that's like pushing it. And I have a two-year-old. Not a lot of silence and solitude in my house, if I'm being honest. And where I used to on the mornings, I would, when he was younger, I would wake up and I'd enjoy time alone with the father. Now, 5, five o'clock, 5.30, he's in there hitting me going, dad, dad, bot, bot. So it's kind of hard in the mornings now for me. So a lot of my quiet time is spent at night. It's spent alone with the Father at night. So find your quiet place. Where is it? Mine's at my desk. Mine's at my kitchen table sometimes. It's never on my couch because I always conk out. It's like narcolepsy for me. As soon as I hit it, I'm out. Where is it for you? Is it that window that looks out into your front yard? There's a chair there. Is it the nook in your bedroom? What is it for you? Like Where is your quiet place? Find your quiet place. Find your desolate place. Jesus knew where they were, and he climbed mountains to get to them sometimes. What will you do to get to your quiet place? Second, take your time. Condition yourself. Some of you, you're going to do so great at this because like, you've been doing this, and you're just, oh, I didn't even know it was called that, and you're just going to do great at it. For me, this has been the hardest spiritual practice to even do. I can do the one-sided prayer. I can do the celebration, and even fasting I can do decently well. Silence and solitude? Eh. All right, like, I'm not good at it. 
Like I said earlier, I constantly have music playing. I constantly have a podcast playing. I'm constantly listening to noise. I hate being alone, and I hate the quiet. But this guy, he asked this older Christian lady, right, very famous Christian lady, he asked her, he said, what can I do to become more like Christ? And she said, sit alone in the presence of God for an hour and don't do what you know is wrong. Sounds easy, right? <laughs> in all honesty, though, when you start doing silence and solitude, you may can only do it for a minute or two or two minutes or two. It's conditioning yourself and getting yourself up there and building up that time. The other thing that you got to do is slow down. Slow down your thoughts. Your thoughts are going to be racing in these moments when you get quiet. It's like just constant just thought squirrels. Just squirrel, 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 running everywhere. And that may just be me with my ADHD. Constant squirrels. I'll be sitting there praying, and it's like, hey, you need to do this. Hey, did that that video get made? Hey, did you do this? Hey, did this happen? Hey, you need to go check on your wife. And then it's just like, wham, wham, everywhere. Slow down. And then you got to do this. you got to face the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of you. In these moments, you're going to be so exposed. You're going to have to face yourself. You need to face your worries, your anxieties, your sadnesses, your joys, your hopes, the desire in your heart for closeness with God, the lack of desire in your heart for closeness with God. And this is good. This is part of it. You need to meditate on God's Word. You need to find a passage of Scripture and just sit there and think on God speaking to you in this passage and listen for His voice. In this we pray, God, deafen the other voices so I can hear your voice clearly and have clarity. I'm telling you this, y'all, like in the moments that I've needed the clarity of the Lord, like I mean, I was even thinking about this last night as I was, you know, just praying and just getting ready for the sermon. I've been like battling with some things I need some clarity on. Like I've been battling with some things that I need to know what the direction of the Lord is. And I was like, I, it was almost like I just heard the Father say, well, when was the last time that you were alone with me? When was the last time that you just sat there and listened? Okay, thank you. I need to hear that, you know? And then lastly, we abide and worship. John fifteen four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The word abide is the verb for the word abode, which literally means home. Find your home in Christ. Abide in Him and let it be worship. Think about what Christ did for you and what He accomplished for you in His life and in His death and in His resurrection. Focus on Jesus and worship Him. And listen to what Zephaniah 1.7 says. Be silent before the Lord God. Silence is worship. Silence is worship. There's a verse in Zechariah that says, All you flesh before the Lord, be silent. That's worship. Abide and worship. Isaiah 30, 15. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. Y'all, I'm, so, like, I'm on this journey right now, and I just, I'm just going to kind of let you guys see into my soul for a second. I had a friend of mine that called me one day, and he said, Hey, Tyler, I need you to watch this podcast. Listen to this podcast. And so, and... Thomas is going to make fun of me about this. I, I, I used to go to the guys, and they were like, they were outside of like my like denominational theological camp. I was like, nope, not listening. Nope. They're not like me. They don't think like me. I don't like that. Okay, so no. Okay, like I was very close-minded. And so I like listened to this guy one time, and I was like, oh, no, man, I don't like, that ain't me. 
Well, then one day, I ran out of podcasts, and I was like, I'm just going to check this guy out. And, y'all, I just binged his entire podcast. Okay, just listen to it. And he starts quoting these guys, okay, all these authors. And I was like, okay, I need to read some of these guys. So then, around, I think it was around a year and a half ago, two years ago, this guy who, like, really poured into Thomas, Coach Thomas, named Randy Millwood, comes into town. And if you've met Randy, if you came to the Lead Like Jesus seminar, the dude's like Yoda, okay? Like there, was this, like, there was this time we were in a restaurant. I asked him a question, and he sat there and just looked at me and then looked away. And he never, he still hasn't answered my question. And I still, like, I know the answer to the question now. It was crazy. Like, I'm just like, what in the world is that? Like, it was like some kind of Jedi mind trick. But we're sitting there inside this, like, discerning the will of the Father as a staff, and we're listening to how to discern God's will, and he's quoting all these guys that these other guys are quoting. Okay, I, I don't believe in coincidence. Okay, I believe in providence. God was putting these guys in my life. And so then... Thomas comes to me and he goes, hey man, there's this church in New York that's doing these really cool things and they also have a plant in, in the, well, the, well, the main church that, they, that planted the church in New York is in Franklin, Tennessee. I have a friend of mine who's going to Franklin, Tennessee and I was like, is this guy the pastor there? Because I've been listening to him. And every one of these guys have been harping and drilling into my skull the spiritual practices. Every one of them. That has been their biggest focus. During the COVID season, one of these guys' church, every Tuesday and Friday, they fasted. They sat in silence for an hour together. They prayed together. And they were like really doing these spiritual practices. And for two years, I'm still on this journey, y'all. Like sometimes somebody will say a name and I'm like, okay, God, what was that for? Like, I mean, you just keep throwing these guys up and I keep hearing them. And I, I mean, I literally got chills right now thinking about it. God is doing a work in my heart, and the biggest thing that's happened is a, just a, a awareness of the spiritual practices. And that's what I love about this series is I pray that it's seeping into your heart that you will know what the Father is saying and that you will listen to what the Father is saying to you and that you will do these things, that you won't just go, man, that was a great sermon, that you will leave here today and go say, you know what, I'm going to practice this. Because here's the thing, if we're going to be a people in the way of Jesus, how can we be a people in the way of Jesus if we don't act and do the things that Jesus did? Like, can we just say that I'm fed up with the noise and I'm just going to shut off for an hour each day this week? I'm going to say that to you. For an hour each day, I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to have the word open and I'm just going to sit there. I'm not going to speak. I'm just going to focus. I'm going to pray. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to focus on this. Because here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Jesus is inviting all of us. Come away with me. Come away with me. I will give you rest. Rest for a while. Will you go with him? Will you go with him? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. We love you. We adore you. And Father, as we move to this time of response, God, I pray that what we will see is see a people who really practice the way of Jesus. That we will be a people who are silent, silent in or alone in your presence. Father, I just pray that what we will see is that we will be a people that look so much like Jesus that the world will want to be a part of this. Father, help us to speak your name. Help us to pray to you, but also help us to listen to you. 
Father, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today this was rest for their souls, that this sounds so inviting. Jesus is saying to them, come with me. Come away with me. Father, draw them near to you and save them as only you can do. And Father, I just pray that we will be a people of the way. And that we will do the things that Jesus did. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet. And we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.